0: Please.
1: welcome back to the next part of this truth and rhythm episode be sure to subscribe to this channel if you've already done so please share it with friends also become a member by joining truth and rhythm on patreon or consider donating at funkinstuff.net thank you so much for your interest and support enjoy so who were some of the acts that you were going out on tour with you know and who did you share the stage with i know i mentioned some of them but uh Who, uh, like, impressed you that you were out there on the road with?
2: The Gap Band. Those guys were, they were smoking. And also, um, Confunction, in their heyday, they they were smoking, too. But uh, some of the bands that I really enjoyed being on the road with were Lakeside. They were nice. Um, I really enjoyed being with the Whispers. Um, we did a, a show with uh, uh, George Benson, but it was a whole, it was like a festival. Um, we also did show with, uh, man, we did so so many shows. I'm trying to think of the ones that really impressed me the most. But as far as band wise, the gap band, I would have to say those guys were smoking all the time. But we had, when we played with them, we had to come with our A-game. Don't don't get on the stage if you ain't got it together because they, they were gonna smoke you. And that's what I enjoyed about them because they were they were hot. Yes. So I would say between them and Earth & Fire were the two guys, the two bands that when we were on the on the road, you better come ready to perform. Because if you don't. You're not going to be remembered. So, anytime we would rehearse, we would rehearse, and we knew we were going out with these guys, we wanted to make sure that we had our A game on. So, we did.
1: You feel, AD, like you ever made uh, whoever followed you a little bit nervous?
2: Yes. Now, I was going to say that. I, I know we did uh, quite a few times because in our heyday, our horn section, oh my goodness. We had one of the best horn sections in our heyday, and everybody knew that. They knew that we came, their horns better be smacking because ours was going to be smacking, but we were doing our job. So, yeah, I feel good about that. We got chance to smoke a couple of people in our day.
1: (laughs) Friendly competition, yeah.
2: Yeah, but we got smoked a couple of times, too. I'll (laughs) say that.
1: Makes you all the better the next time, right? That's right. Go back to the woodshed. what, were there one or two shows that stand out in your mind, like they were especially unforgettable? Maybe um, something good happened, something bad happened, something unexpected happened?
2: Uh, there was one show, and it, I don't think it was really a big thing, but um, we were doing a show with The Whispers, And we had finished our show, The Whispers came on and the guy who had designed our uniforms was homosexual. Back then it was kind of like weird for some, you know, it it wasn't out there that much. And I guess he decided he wanted to go and do his own personal show when The Whispers was on. (laughs) And he came out in a whole um, you know, like dressed as a woman. And the whispers was right in the middle of their show. And he came out and right, right in front of them and started dancing. And I mean, they didn't know what to do. That was the funniest thing I've seen. That, I think that was it.
1: <laughs> How long did he last on the stage?
2: The, they, it didn't last long because the security guy came and got him off. But he got yet to be seen. At least two or three minutes. And everybody was just like blown away. It was, it was crazy. Even the Whisper, Scotty and and his brother, they was like, what What was that? You know, after the end of the show, we was all laughing about it. But I would say that was the strangest thing, you know, that I remember in any of our shows. Other than that, everything was pretty normal.
1: <laughs> so you got <laughs> the extreme there and everything else normal.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: I wish I would have known that when I had them on the show. I would have brought that up.
2: <laughs> wow.
1: Yeah. Um, so... Ad, when superheroes came out, I'm sure you had aspirations of topping the charts and dominating radio and whatever. Um, why do you think it didn't, you know, get to a level of like a cameo or a confunction at that time?
2: That's a good question. Um, you know, I, I really don't know how to answer that because I wouldn't. We, you know. Not recently, but back then we was wondering like, why isn't our music doing this or doing that? But I, I will tell you this, something that we do know for sure. After we left Prelude, we were blackballed. Um, a lot of companies, for whatever reason, because they didn't, we got our masters back. That's what happened and You know, when you were a big company and they were pretty powerful, they were out of New York and they kind of put a stumble on our record play. That was a big thing for us because we knew that they were very unhappy because we had to fight for our masters. And so once we got them back, it took us a while to get back our mojo, so to speak. And we knew that we were being blackballed in certain areas at Ford radio stations. And we was told from Warner Brothers that we went to Warner Brothers after Prelude. And one of the executives told us, hey, did you guys know that they don't want to play your music? I didn't know that kind of stuff existed back then. But yeah, they did that. I'm not saying that's the sole reason, but it had a lot to do with it at that time.
1: Yeah, it was so political, all the stuff going on. Uh, It's a shame that things like that interfere with, uh, the creativity and the potential.
2: Yeah. I would say it really, it really bothered us because I think for like at least three to four years, we were trying to find our spot again. You know, we wasn't getting calls to do shows. Um, and it was really kind of a difficult time. I think for at least three years we were going through, um, just a trend. We were trying to figure it out. Okay, why is our records not doing this? We know we got good music out there. We're hearing everybody else's music doing good, but we couldn't figure it out. So, the only conclusion I can come up with is that a lot of it has to do with being blackballed or wanting to get our masters back.
1: Well, walk us through, you know, w- what time period are we talking? Because around 1980, I know you ended up having the issue with those tracks that you recorded and um, the owners of the studio had an issue. Um, what happened with that?
2: Are we talking about the uh, step ahead album?
1: Yeah. Those tracks that you lost for all that time. And what happened
2: at that time? Let me see. No, let me make sure we are on the same page. The question you're asking me, what happened to us as far as our records or,
1: well, all I know is what I read. And that's, you know, that, um, you ended up not being able to get your tracks because the owners of the studio where it was recorded uh, were dealing drugs or something like that. And um, so the uh, DEA held up your recordings and-
2: We had no idea. Uh, we, were, we had just got off tour and that was gonna be that Step Ahead album we were working on, it was in their recording, beautiful studio. Um, we noticed that the prices were really nice. And we had, we had no idea what these guys were doing, but um, one night we were going back, back out to record and we noticed that everything was all locked up and boarded up and we couldn't get anything. Fortunately, what we would always do, all of us would take a recording of the music to listen. So We'd take our own little personal recordings to see what we need to work on, work on this and work on that. And to tell you the truth, and this is what's interesting about it, those recordings were so good that we didn't have to have the masters. The recordings that we had on those cassette tapes back in those days, and uh, I think we had one reel that we were able to keep that we got, and I think it had about four or five songs on it, but the rest of the songs were all on at that time, cassette tapes. And we all kept them. And that's how we were able to get that music, get it mastered, and we came up with, um, with that whole album. But we didn't know that those guys uh, were dealing drugs, and basically we never really fully got the, the, you know our, the, the master recording. We never got that.
1: Did you feel like you were finished making the record at that point, or were you still hoping to do a few more tracks?
2: At that time, if I'm remembering right, we we did finish what we yeah we did finish all the songs. But that's why we we're able. We had a few more that we were going to do. If I'm thinking right, I'm trying to make sure that I'm telling you the right story. We had a couple more that we were going to do. But we never got a chance to go back in there because they had closed down but we did get i think something like eight or nine tracks i I don't remember exactly how many but we were able to get the majority of the music that we worked on
1: you know i once worked for a company where i showed up one day and i had no idea and it was like chained up and locked and i didn't have a job anymore you know so i'm thinking of you guys showing up to a studio and it's locked up and boarded or whatever, and you're like, "What the hell?"
2: Yeah, I mean, we had no idea what the, we. I mean, it was kind of devastating because we didn't know what to do, and see that record never came out until we, you know, recently when we did the re. Um, we did with the, this deal with this guy out of New Chicago, and that record in that he wanted to get all the the songs together. and That's how we ended up coming with that record step ahead, and I was. Um, my brother passed away in 2016. And I think that's when we did that. Yeah, it was in 2016 when we released that Step Ahead album.
1: Yeah, it's unbelievable that for a quarter century that music just sat there because it's like this buried treasure, right? Because I mean it's excellent material, in my opinion. And um so, but the sequence of events, AD were you already blackballed and having the issue with Prelude when this happened with the studio recordings, or did that come after the issue with the studio recordings?
2: I'm trying to remember. It's like, that's kind of a long time ago. I'm trying to think. what uh, At that time, what, what year was that?
1: 1980 is what I heard for.
2: Yeah, that was in the 80s. We were actually, at that time, we were on our decline. We had kind of got to the point to where a lot of the guys were being frustrated um, with money. You know, money's always a big part when you have a big band. Um, and, and to be honest, uh, my brother did some things uh, that caused us to break up. You know,
0: you can put that on the record or leave it off, but it's the truth. And uh I would say I'm trying to be just
2: honest about it. Um, we were on our way out when we were doing that record. We were pretty, we were pretty much like okay we we're gonna we'll do it, but I think we were pretty much checked out as far as the band. I think the guys were tired of traveling. They were tired of what was going on, you know, with my brother. We didn't have no idea of some of the things that he was doing with the money, or even with the contract. We started finding out certain things about the publishing, how it was being distributed, and it became to be kind of like a mess. And
0: once, I think think one of the horn players
2: quit, Mike, Mike, Mike Minna, Steve Mason was the keyboard player, he said that he didn't want to do it anymore. so that's when we start, after that, we start just we really kind of broke up. And that's why that record never got a chance to do anything. But we had decided it was time to let We, we at that time we was we were done.
1: Well, on those rec- those songs, that group of songs, I mean, on um, this is the one where I felt like there was some confunction influence in some of the sound. You know, I hadn't really heard that on the earlier records. It's interesting, you know, how things progress, but, um, like a step at the title track and party down. Definitely like a little bit of that confunction vibe happening.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Um, always be lovers. Do you remember that ballad? Yep. Do you know what that reminds me of? Mm. Uh, deja vu by Tina Marie.
0: Musical. Really? Yeah. Huh? Um, but I mean, the first three tracks, I mean, they're
1: smoking like funk tracks, you know, more and more body energy.
2: Um, I yeah. love more, and more More and more was one of my favorite songs. I, I well, still love that song.
1: Well, your baseline and the horns are kicking on that.
2: Yes. See, you're a good man. See, you know, that baseline. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I, look, look. It's the one song I have. I don't know if you can see that's so the one song I've circled is that one.
0: It
2: was more and more? Yeah. Oh my God. See, you I know, hey, you that is one of my favorite songs. And I wrote that song. But it's just something about the groove of it. You know, I can just sit here and just start thinking about it and start moving. Yeah, it had a good groove to it. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: So then, uh, a couple years later, "Mellow Music" like came up as a single. Was that like uh, newly recorded, or was it from those sessions? Or
2: no, that was we had broke up at that time. That was really my brother and I, because we had decided um, we had decided that we weren't going to get together again. So what he was going to do, how this was, he was going to go ahead and. Go out on his own, okay? Because he, you know, he had the voice, and he asked me, "Would I want to be a part of it?" Well, at that time, I was getting ready to move. I had went, I was married, but I was getting ready to go through divorce, and I just told him, "Hey, man, I'm getting ready to get up out of Stockton," and so I um, moved here and I started a jazz group called Analysis. And see, that's what a lot of people don't know. Well, a lot of people do know, but they don't know it's me, AD, from my creation. If you go and look at the Smooth Jazz chart, there's a group called Analysis. That was me. And we had three records and um, we had top 10 on Smooth Jazz. So I'm very happy to say that I was able to have hit records in the R&B. And then when I started my jazz group, which is called Analysis, we had three hit records in the jazz, in the smooth jazz charts. You know, I did a couple of songs with uh, uh, Jeff Lorber. Uh, he's on one, and I have a record coming out with Analysis again this year, and he's on one of the songs. And uh, so I'm going to do mellow music. I re-recorded that song. That's going to be released for Night Creation at the beginning of the year. That's gonna be the single from Full Circle. And that came out, that was gonna originally be just my brother and I, but he got sick. And so we just, you know, just put the record out there and Mellow Music, to tell you the truth, Mellow Music blew up. You you can try to find that single right now because I was investigating, because uh, a, a collector called me the other day. He said, hey, I, I'm trying to find Mellow Music. And I'm willing to pay uh, $3,000 for it. <laughs> <laughs> I, said,
1: I just happen to have a case of them right here.
2: Right? <laughs> I said, are you serious? He said, yeah, I can't find it anywhere. And so what I did, I said, don't worry about that. What I did, is I sent him uh, a copy, because I still have some of the singles and I just sent him a copy for free because he was a true diehard fan. Yes, they don't worry about that. But yeah, I mean, people still trying to find out. But Mellow Music really was a, a a big song for us as well. But a lot of people didn't know it.
1: It's a cool track. I'm glad you're reviving it.
2: Yes, I'll send that to you so you can hear it.
1: Excellent. Yeah. Uh, and then I know in like 86, you did an a EP on track. Uh, records was it um, Love, Crime, Love Crime like four, yes. four songs, mm-hmm. and um, wasn't that the same label that the Ohio Players ended up on in the late eighties?
2: I think. Let's see. What was that record under? Was that under Hill or what? No, that was our label. That wasn't was, it called. Uh,
1: was it tracks though? Uh,
2: um, that was called uh, Right Track Records. Right, my tracks. brother. Yeah, my brother came up. That was his label, Right Track Records. And if you notice, Bubblegum came out under Right Track Records. That was the first label. That that was our own record label.
0: Okay.
2: Yeah, that was our label.
1: The Love Crime had you guys definitely uh, moving into the electro-funk of the 80s.
2: Yeah. Yep, it sure did. Uh, And I wish you could have did better but you know i'll say this in europe to this day that's the song in the, the ep
0: that they're trying to find is love Crime."
2: Okay. i don't know why but
0: yeah
1: i have a, a friend who's uh, one of the deepest record collectors i've ever met he's actually in the uk and um he loves uh ninth creation also and he's had a heck of a time finding a lot of your guys' records over there.
0: I never really asked you when we were on that, you know, what was the Soul Train experience like for you?
2: Ooh. Well, I would say that was a really nice experience because you, I was at that time, I was still, I think I had just graduated. So I was a kid. You're thinking, you know, getting getting picked up in the limousine, going, going to Soul Train, Don Cornelius, and all of that. I thought I was on top of the world. But that was a great experience. At that time, we was on with uh, Lenny Williams at that time. And it was a, it was a great experience. Uh, at that time, we were with Sussex Records, which was owned by Bill Withers. Mm-hmm. That's how we got that, you know, because skin it back, our first single was with Bill Withers' label, which was Sussex, Sussex Records.
0: I did, don't you know ever, you know. did you ever get to meet him? Oh yeah, many times. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Seemed like a nice guy. Oh my goodness, he
2: was—he was a treasure. Um, he had some demons. He got his first wife, you know, he was. She was an actress, I forget her name. And they had a pretty rough marriage, but she was beautiful. If I could remember her name, you would know what I'm talking about. But they divorced. But other than that, when he remarried, you know, he had his children and Bill was the type of guy, he did not want any fame. He didn't want any of that. And, you know, talking to him, he never, the songs that he was writing, he never thought his songs were gonna be anything. And all of his songs to this day are legendary songs and they will never go away. Lovely day. I think and it's been re-recorded so many times, I can't even count.
1: So many movies and it's just incredible yeah. how much they use
2: that. Yeah. yeah. So he was a nice guy. We we had a great relationship. We only stayed with that label for that one single. Yeah. And uh, the guy who brought us to Bill Withers was the godfather of... Uh, LA, which is um I don't remember this.
1: Parents haven't.
2: Clarence, there you go. We <laughs> would be you. at his house. We was at his house every weekend, my brother and I. Clarence Avon. He's one who got us with, with introduced us to Bill Withers. Um and him and my brother were very good friends. And he he got us with the first, he got us with Hill Pack Records also, because they were based out of Los Angeles after we left Sussex. And so uh, my brother kept his relationship with him up until he passed away. But, yeah, that's how we got to meet Bill Withers was through Plan Avon. Hmm. Do
1: you think, A.D., if you have gotten just out of the gate, you know, on a major and had more consistency in your record label situation, that that would have helped you get over more?
2: Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, without a doubt.
0: Like think maybe just if you would have
1: had a manager that could have helped you do that or something, because I'm wondering why some bands, you know, go that path and then others just kind of jump around
0: and do independence. And
2: I, I will say this to you.
0: When I go back and look at our history. And I
2: like I said, I love my brother, you know we we had a rough upbringing, so that's why I'm so close to him, but my brother was hands on if he thought somebody else was gonna get it, he didn't want him to have it. So I will say this: my brother held us back from a lot of things because of him. we got burned a couple of times, and so he was very cautious. Of what we did next. And he didn't trust managers and stuff. So he wanted to manage, which we all would tell him, JD, you, you, we got to have some better management. We would always tell him that. But my brother was stubborn. And I would say, I would say to truthfully, he did help us. He held us back.
0: It's ironic.
1: After- it's, it's ironic because he got you to do your own songs, but then he held you back.
2: My brother was an egomaniac he He didn't want no one else to have control um and I'll share this with you, even when he was dying. He was trying to get his daughter to take the whole library of man creation before he died and to this day, my niece and i we we not we don't even really speak because of that because it was wrong and she know it was wrong but you know you you live and you forgive that and that's where I, I love my brother but i would say a lot of the downfall was because of my brother oh. and i hate to say that but it's the truth
1: well that truth clarifies yeah. uh brings clarity helps make it make more sense you know yeah yeah seeing what happened from the outside so yeah appreciate it um How would you describe the Ninth Creation sound and what made it distinctive?
2: I really believe that Ninth Creation, we did have our own distinct sound. We did have our own sound. Um, I think we had a mixture of different bands that we put together. But when you listen to Ninth Creation, I, I don't think there's no other bands that really sound like Ninth Creation. I've been told that over and over and over. We did have our own sound. I believe that.
1: So in saying that, what do you think might be a couple of signature elements of that?
2: You mean by our songs? Which song would you think would is that oh, would you
1: of, of the sound. Like for example, I mean, if you ask me what's unique about ninth creation, I mean, one thing I would say for sure is the vocals were unique and distinctive. I don't think anyone quite sounded like those vocals. So
0: what are a few things that stand out to you that kind of make the ninth creation sound? I would say vocals
2: is definitely one. My brother's voice was very unique. I give him, he had a very unique voice, but I also would say a lot of our bass lines, and, I, and I, even if I wasn't a bass player, I, I would listen to them and I would say, man, they got their 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 rhythm section was really kind of different. So I don't know, maybe I, I vocals, and I would say,
0: bass lines and
2: i, I don't want to say that because it's me but if i really being honest with you if i listen to night creation music i would say vocals because a lot of bands had horns right yeah. but i think our rhythm section starting with the bass was different from a lot of other groups that's what i would uh separated from other groups if that fair. makes sense.
0: Yeah, fair enough.
1: What what about funk in general? What does it mean to you? Um you know, obviously you guys did a lot of funky music. So what is what what how do you describe funk and what does it mean to you musically, spiritually, how, whatever?
2: How do I describe funk?
1: My Everyone goodness. has a, their own description, yeah.
2: Oh, uh, that's I don't know. I, no one never really asked me how, I,
0: how would I describe funk. Uh, I can give you, like I said, examples of
2: funk that to me that was funky. And again, I'm going to go back to the original funk master to me was James Brown. The funk that they was laying down back then um, I'll, I'm trying to think of someone else that was just. Oh, I'll tell you who really influenced me a lot too. One Hundred and Third Street Watt Band. Mm. If you go back and listen to those guys, they were funky.
1: Express yourself, yeah.
2: The, and I'm, I'm going back. I'm thinking, okay, those guys were funky. Down, they're down, 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 with That was funk.
1: More California funk, yeah.
2: Yeah, that was more, that was, and I think about those guys and I think about them, I say, yeah, that, that's, that was, they were really funky to me. And then you have the other guys that came out like Larry Graham, you know, people like him. And then you think about Bootsy Collins; they were funky. So I'm just kind of giving you people that made me think about funk. I guess that's the best way for me to describe it.
1: Well when you were locked in with ninth creation and you guys were just in, in a groove locked in, did it, did you go to a different place? Would it take you somewhere? I mean, did it have like a out of body experience kind of thing or were you just really,
0: you know, was it, how conscious was it? I mean, what was it like when you guys were just vibing? Hmm. I will say, me and Donnie
2: Allen. You sometimes you you did come out of that. You come out of it. It's almost it's hard to explain. For me, it is when when you get so deep into like the drummer and the bass player. And if you listen to Donnie Ray, he had a lot of. He used to love Garibaldi. He loved Garibaldi. If you listen to his playing, he was influenced by Garibaldi. I wasn't influenced by a Jocko who played bass. I was influenced by AD and just my own style. And that's one thing. I think I have my own style of playing. I've been told that again over and over and over and over. I think I'm getting off track here. I'm trying to remember.
1: About yes. about, the, yeah, about the vibe, about you locking in with, with the drummer and what it felt like when you, you know, just went with it.
2: A few times I'll say this, I'm trying to think of a song that really took me into another world and more and more when we would play that live, for some reason, it would just take me into another place because we had it arranged to where we would just have the music going, no vocals or nothing, just grooving. And that's one song to this day that really made me, uh, took me, you know, you you just get to it, and you just say, hey. And it's nothing complicated about it. Do-do-do-do-do. do not do But it's just the drum, solid beat, and that's that funk with the bass. It takes you. And if you get into that groove, you, you're going somewhere else. Your mind is in a whole other place. So that's my experience. When it, and I've experienced that with more than just you know a couple of songs. When you get in that groove with a drummer, you do go in another place. You don't even listen to the vocals. You do you're locked in to what he's doing and he's locked into what I'm doing and you barely hear what the vocals are doing because you're so locked in. I don't know if that makes sense to you, but for me, I'm just locked into the drummer when I'm really deep into it. It's me and the drummer.
0: Yeah,
1: I mean, the point is, AD, I think you have to be able to get to that place to really make it happen and have that feel and have the audience really connect with it.
2: Yeah, I agree.
1: Um, And you mentioned Garibaldi. Uh, In particular, We Need Love reminded me of a Tower of Power kind of influence track.
2: We Need Love, yeah. And and if you listen to the drumming, he was was influenced by Garibaldi, but he did have his own style, Donnie did. But he was influenced by Garibaldi a lot. And so that might remind you of, of some of their Tower of Power tracks.
0: Looking back, on at all to this point ad um musically what are you most proud of
2: um that i'm still able to do this at 70 years old and i feel like i'm just as fresh as i was when i was a young kid i'm I'm, you know i still have to i don't have all the energy but my plan is the same and even better
0: um I would say I'm very content. I'm happy. Which uh, album is your favorite? Bubblegum. First one.
2: Yeah, because that one is special. How we recorded it, the time we spent recording it, and going back and back. Listen to some of those tracks, like you mentioned, Suburban, Blue, Quit It. And if you, if you really listen to those songs, when you were talking about Locked In, we were locked in. We were, especially Suburban Blue, Quit It, listened to Quit It. We were locked in. And we only, those songs, to tell you the truth, we didn't practice on those songs a lot. We, we wrote them, went into the studio. We wrote them, went into the studio. So it wasn't like we practiced them. We would practice when we were playing them. Those songs that you're hearing, all those songs were recorded in one take. Hmm. That's one thing I can say I'm very proud of. We didn't go to back and forth. Okay, let's start it again. No, we, quit it. Falling in love, I think falling in love about one that we had to go back because it's a ballad. Okay, but all those ones that you mentioned, suburban, blue and all, we practiced, went to the studio, and recorded them. Hmm. We were locked in, if you want to say locked in we were locked in.
0: Yeah, I guess you got all the uh,
1: uh, bugs out, if you will, like at Sussex or wherever. By then, you were ready to really lay it down.
2: We were ready to go. Yep, we were. We're not We're not done. We got one more for them. And that would be the final record. The full circle of the final record. And wherever it go, it go. I'm not looking at trying to make a blast I just want people to remember ninth creation. That's the reason why I did it. It's really a farewell album. That's the way I'm looking at it.
1: Now, is it going to be an EP or an album? Would you say?
2: Um I think it's going to be an EP. I'm still contemplating on that, but I right now I'm just going to do it as an EP. And I think that's enough.
1: Are there any more uh, full or parts of Ninth uh, Creation tracks that have been left someplace?
2: We have some. Um, I haven't been able to locate them because I know my brother had some. And there were some tracks that my brother and I did together um, that we were going to come out with. And it was going to still be under night Creation because we were night Creation. And those, I would say, there's at least about six or seven songs that I haven't been able to relocate since he passed away. And one day I go, I'm going to go to his home and you know with his wife, and we're going to go through it because I know there's about five tracks that that's still there. And if from, I find them, I'll re- re-release them
1: from seventies or eighties or
2: seventies. Yeah. and then some from the eighties. So I got it. There's about five from the 70s, and I know there's a, at least four from the 80s when we were doing that uh, uh love crime album.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Cool. So you said you might do some shows? Night creation? Yeah. For
2: 2024. I don't know, you know, they've been trying to get us to go to Europe for the, since last year. Uh we were gonna go prior to COVID. But you know, COVID came, so that's washed everything. Um, but I do plan to go
0: overseas one more time with Ninth Creation, and that'll be it. So, where can people go to keep track of what's
1: going on and look forward for new stuff that you've been talking about?
2: Look for the website. To be put up, we still have the website, but we took it down. But it's, it's going to go back up and, uh, once the record and everything is all complete. And uh, I can see that information. I don't have it right now to go to our website because it's not up. Because we're going to have merchandise. You know, T-shirts are being in the mix right now. You're going to see a uh, variety. I'll send those to you, what they're going to look like. Because it's going to be all the album covers. The bubble gum. There's one with the bubble gum. There's one with the, the lips falling in love on the t shirt it's going to be very nice, and then we have, um, we had some T-shirts back in the day when we first came out. They had wings, and they had Night Creation. We have those uh, redone. So um, September, the website will be back up. Uh, the music, some of our music, they'll be able to purchase music again from Night Creation if they want to get the old music. With that's going to be available. Because I got all the rights back, so I'm going to re-release the albums again. And if they would like to purchase, they'll be able to purchase them online. I'm not going to put them in stores. Just everything is going to be online. Um, and all the merchandise because people have been asking for it, so I'm going to give it to them. Hats, t-shirts, hoodies, the whole works.
1: Will that be ninthcreation.com or
2: ninthcreation.com? Exactly. It'll be ninthcreation.com.
1: Because, you know, this is going to exist in perpetuity. So you want to make sure they know where yeah. to go whenever they view this.
2: Yeah. And, and that, we, that's we been in, uh, the people are working on it now. Uh, the people that we have working for us, they're working on it now. Uh, hopefully it'll be finished by September. Uh, once it's complete, the website will go back up. And all the information to, you know, like if we doing some tours or show dates, it'll be all posted. Everything will be posted the way it should be
1: outstanding as i feel like my timing was good the way it's coming back you know
2: yeah i feel it I'm, I'm so happy that you contacted me and this has been a pleasure to be able to talk with someone that really know night creation music it really feels good for me to know that someone's still out there that love our music
1: yeah well thank you so much for bringing it to the people and for continuing to represent it and uh, keep it alive you know
2: Well, I certainly hope that we're able to stay in contact uh, so I can keep you up to date on everything that we're doing. Yeah, well, I will definitely keep you posted on what we're doing. Right now, like I said, website and music being re-released again. That's the main focus and the merchandise. And then the show things, I'll I'll let that, you know, materialize accordingly.
1: Okay. Well, good luck on all of that. And, uh, you know, I'm glad you're in good, good health, man. It's good to see, you know, I... When I, as I do this show, you know, it's just, it's hard to take when, you know, we lost, we keep losing so many fantastic artists from, you know, in the peak period of, of funk and R&B from the seventies and eighties and, 80s and uh, early eighties and, but seventies, especially, I mean, and I, I try to get to as many as I can. And sometimes there's uh, those that I'm almost about to have on and they don't make it, you know, like your sax players that. It just lost, yeah. So,
2: yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I, it's a pleasure. And I want you to know that I'm really, really uh, grateful that you reached out to me and that we were able to do this. And I hope to see you soon. And you, I'm going to definitely send you some music.
1: All right. Nice. Appreciate it. Hey, pleasure. Take care, Andy. You too. Okay. Bye. Bye bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Truth and Rhythm. A big thank you goes out to our guest as well as to you, the viewer and listener. Also, much gratitude to Pleasure for supplying the show's funky opening and closing music. As a reminder, you can always access the complete list of link shows by episode at funkinstuff.net. I urge you to support this program and receive the extra benefits along with that by subscribing to the Funk and Stuff channel on YouTube and sharing it with funk, R&B, and jazz lovers. Joining Truth and Rhythms membership program at Patreon. Submitting a donation at FunkinStuff.net, buying everything is on the one, the first guide to funk book at Amazon, shopping at the Funky Things Store for cool merchandise at FunkinStuff.net, and linking through FunkinStuff.net for all of your Amazon purchases. In addition, if you're an artist or anyone seeking proven, results-oriented professional marketing, PR, writing